uh, are not necessarily the greatest of memories, but for some of you, they are. So uh, I would like you to cast your mind back to a family gathering and, and think in your mind of a story that is repeated every time you have a family gathering. Because uh, I know that in my story, uh, sorry, in my family, there, there are multiple stories uh, that get told every time we all happen to be in the same place together. And, uh, and they are stories that we know are going to come up inevitably. And for some reason, the person who was telling the story always starts off with like, stop, have I told this story before? And we always go, yes, please continue. <laughs> I want... And uh, so, so in my family, there's the story, uh, like I can think of uh, my, my dad pulling out my tooth in the middle of a Smitty's because that, he felt like that was the best place to do dentistry. Um, I can, uh, I, I, I think of the story from when I was a child. This was a weird, uh, this is a weird one that just came up recently, but, uh, but we were, uh, but I remember being in a car with my mom and we were driving some friends of ours to the hospital in Halifax. So if you grow up in PEI, there's lots of medical procedures. You can't get done on PEI. You got to drive five hours to Halifax in order to get that procedure done. And we were, we were, so we were doing that. So there's two cars because we had enough people to go. So my mom is driving one and my sister is driving the other one. And my mom, for some reason, yet to be known, you can ask about her later, it's known, but you can ask her about it later, um, starts to drive about 180 kilometers an hour down the highway. She might have been a little bit angry about something. So, but my sister, who was maybe about 18 years old at the time, 17, um, she's trying to follow my mom, so she's needing to keep up with my mom traveling at 170 kilometers an hour. Now, mom gets pulled over because she's in the lead. The cops pull her over, but then my sister, not knowing what to do, also pulls over. And the police officer proceeds to give them both tickets for going 170 and a 100. Now, I would have argued my sister's ticket because, like, she just pulled over to stop. Like, you don't, you can't possibly, you know, you can't possibly have a number on two people at the same time. However, no one saw fit to argue the ticket at the time, and I was 12. Um, but those are the kind of stories that we tell when we get together. We tell certain stories over and over again. You, you have... Uh, them as well. And I want you to think of that story in your own mind and ask yourself this question. Is that a story when everything went well? And the answer is obviously no. Because a story that starts off, remember that time that dad planned that thing and everything worked out? No one ever tells that story. Because that story is kind of boring, right? Everything went according to plan, right? Uh... We all, what we, the stories we tell are when things go wrong, when something is overcome, and when so, something gets broken apart and we have to repair it. And those stories are not fun in the middle of those stories. No one was laughing. <laughs> Sorry. I was not laughing in the car when my mom got pulled over. Like, there is no way. <laughs> In fact, the fact that I'm laughing at it, but at it now might get me whacked later. But there is no way on earth that I was laughing at that story as it was happening. But because we've gone through it and we've experienced it, we're laughing at it now. The story 
the good story is in the overcoming of something. And, and it's interesting that, that we're aware of this, yet when we're in the middle of it, there's very rare times where we're like, we're going to laugh at this later. But we don't experience difficulties in that way. And yet this is a theme that's, that's hit again and again and again throughout Scripture. We see this at the beginning of Exodus chapter 14. So we get to Exodus chapter 14. The people of Israel have just left Egypt. They've experienced all the ten plagues. Pharaoh has said, it's time for you to go. Go out. And they're about to leave. So they gather and they're just outside Egypt at this point in time moving together. They're, they're, they're brand new and experiencing this freedom. And then the Lord, so we start off the story there, and, and at, they just left, and this is how the story starts. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Pi Hatteroth, between Migdal and the sea, and they're to camp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. And Pharaoh will think the Israelites are walking around the land in confusion and bidden by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Now, this is interesting. They've experienced 400 years of brutal slavery. Now they're leaving. They're leaving, but now they're leaving with Pharaoh in pursuit. Okay? So this is interesting because uh, I want us to notice a couple of things. So. This is what they're experiencing at this moment, but I want us to notice two things in this passage. The first thing is God is saying, I will gain glory for myself. It's interesting, God, through his instructions to the Israelites, is intending to tell a story that will give him glory. God's intending to tell a story that will be repeated over and over again by the Israelites, by the Egyptians, to remind them who God is, and this story will be about God's power and his deliverance for the people of Israel. God is intending to write a story with this, and it's, but it's, this is the second part that I want us to notice. God will gain glory for himself through Pharaoh and all his army. Now, I want you to just imagine this in your own minds. Do you think that Pharaoh and all his army would have been the chosen method of the people of Israel for God to gain his glory. Do you think that they would have been like, you know what, I would love. I would love to be chased again by Pharaoh and his army. That would be a great thing to happen this weekend. That wouldn't be what they would have chosen. If, if, they, if God was like, I'm going to maybe make something happen to you that's a little bit difficult, they would have been like, okay, well, maybe we could be pestered by a small pack of coyotes, right? <laughs> then we will chase them away with loud noises from our flocks, and then we will go. That's what they would have chosen, right? But God chooses the thing that is most fearful to them, that is most dangerous to them, that is most uncomfortable for them, and it's through this thing that he's going to demonstrate his glory. God is showing off his power, and he wants to encourage his people in the future, and he's going to show off his power through a thing that is most dangerous to them now. And obviously the Israelites were completely okay with this, right? No, of course not. So this is what happens next. When the king of Egypt was told that the people have fled... Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them. They said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go, and we have lost their services. Services is a very <laughs> funny word to me. 
a very funny use of euphemism for slave labor. So he had his chariot, oh no, we've lost their services. He had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi Haparoth, opposite Baal Zephon. We can understand that obviously now at this point in time, the Israelites would would it would assume that this was going to be a good thing for them, all right? Like, well, well, God has brought us this far. Obviously, he's going to deliver us in the future. That is not what they thought at all. You already knew that. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there's no graves in Egypt that you have brought us out to the desert to die? Very poetic complaining. I really appreciate the level of imagery that's gone into their complaining. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They're so terrified and so uncomfortable that they would rather go back to where they were before than, than go through this story that God will demonstrate his glory in. And to me, this whole thing demonstrates a couple of things that we need to understand that are also that were true for the Israelites and are and are, are definitely important for us as we begin to follow Jesus with any kind of maturity, both individually and as a group. And the first thing that we need to understand is that God is not afraid of what you're afraid of. When I originally wrote this, I termed it, and I think it was a little bit strong, but I think that there's an element of truth in it as well, that God does not care what you're afraid of, because he is not afraid of that thing. So if you're afraid of some sort of emotional conversation, God is not afraid of that. If you're afraid that you might not have financial security in the future, God is not afraid of that. If you are afraid that someone is going to be angry at you, God is not afraid of that. If you're afraid that groups of people are going to come in here and displace Christianity and we will be crushed by some outside group of people, God is not afraid of that. God is not afraid of anything that you are afraid of. And it's interesting how the Bible is clear to us over and over again that God will intentionally put you in places where you are afraid to demonstrate to you that he is sovereign over that as well. Most famous, calming passage in the world, and I've talked about this before here, but this is Psalm 23. Many of you in this room have Psalm 23 memorized. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, right? By the time we get to verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's not a fun table. It's not a comfortable table. But God says, no, I'm not scared here. This is where we're gonna sit down and eat. Every instinct that we have as we sit down at that table in the presence of our enemies is like, we gotta fight or we gotta run. There's only two things that we can do when we're in the presence of our enemies. We gotta start fighting or we gotta get out of here. God says, no, 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 no. We're gonna relax now. Because I'm in control. Because I'm in charge. And I'm not afraid of these enemies. So now we're gonna be calm. Now we're gonna restore ourselves. Now you're gonna experience my goodness in the presence of 
your enemies. God is not afraid of the things that you are afraid of. God is not afraid of the things that I am afraid of. And it's only when we begin to realize this will we, will we be able to see God writing a story that brings him glory. So as we see as this goes, that as Pharaoh approached, the, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified. And as we go on later on, Moses answered the people in the midst of their fear. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. It's fascinating. Moses repeats something that I mentioned to you last week in the sermon. He, he makes that idea concrete. He says, these things that you're afraid of are temporary. Pharaoh's army is temporary. You will never see it again. You need to trust the Lord now and be still. You don't need to fight. You don't need to run. You need to be still. And we, like the people of Israel, often live in this place where there's a disconnect between what we see in the world and what God is doing. One of my favorite stories in Scripture is there's a story in, in, in 2 Kings where, where Elijah the prophet is hiding from the king of Aram in a town called Dothan. And the king of Aram wants to kill Elijah, so he sends all of his army to surround Dothan. And, and so they do. They surround Dothan. They, they, they gather around it. They're about to crush it. And Elijah's servant wakes up in the morning and sees the army around it and goes to Elijah and says, Elijah, the, the, we're surrounded by the king of Aram's army. Like, what are we, what are we going to do? And, and Elijah's like, whatever. You know, he's like, and he's just not concerned. And Elijah's servant is like, why aren't you afraid? And Elijah says, oh, and it's an amazing moment where he's like, oh, you don't. You don't see what the Lord, and he pray, then he prays, Lord, show him what I see. And all of a sudden, the, the eyes of this man, this man's eyes were opened and he saw angel armies, vast millions of them, surrounding the armies of the king of Aram. So Elijah says to him, like, those who are on our side are greater than those who are on their side. So I'm not concerned. God, Moses is looking at this. Those who are on our side are greater than those who are on their side. So do not be concerned. There's a disconnect between what we see and the reality that God is working in. And we need to be able to see that in order to operate and understand in the, in the, the stories that God is telling through our lives. God's glory and this is the second part that we need to recognize. God's glory is more valuable to him than your comfort. God is not interested in writing a story where you are comfortable the entire time and everything goes well. God is not interested in writing a story where you go from, from ease to ease to ease to ease to ease to ease to ease and then die comfortably in your bed old and full of years. That is not a story that God is interested in writing. God is interested in writing a story where you overcome. 
God is interested in writing a story where you demonstrate his faithfulness and his goodness and his power over all those things that oppose us in this world. And we would love for God to be interested in our comfort. We would love for God to be interested in our glory. We would love for God to be interested in just making us feel safe. But God does not care about that one whit. God understands that you are secure now and for eternity, regardless of the circumstances of this world. Be it a bomber walking into this church right now, or all of our financial uh, our financial security being wiped away, or be it this building falling in on top of us, God, our eternity is secure in what Jesus has done. So God does not care one whit if we are comfortable in this life. He is intent on writing a story that gives him glory and demonstrates his goodness to us and to the world. God's glory is more valuable than our comfort. And this is incredibly important for us to realize because we have been called, and that's difficult to hear, and I am uncomfortable in some way saying it, except that we, what we have been called to is no less than what Jesus endured on his own. Jesus faced execution and death. Jesus faced the worst discomforts that we can imagine. Jesus faced betrayal. Jesus faced execution. Jesus faced torture. Jesus faced death itself. None of these things were comfortable. None of these things were easy. All of these things were things that Jesus himself told us that he was afraid of. And yet his faith in the Lord and pushed him further and through what God had called him to. The joy on the other side of those things pushed him through what God had called him to. So when I tell you, and when I tell myself that God is not interested in our comfort, God wasn't interested in Jesus' comfort either. And it was through that discomfort, it was through that agony that God wrote a story that brought about our salvation and is still bringing glory to him this day. So the question that, that we ask ourselves as we come to this table is what are we enduring now that we need to see more clearly? What story is being told in our lives right now are we seeing only as something that is damaging to us that will leave us dead in the desert? But God is saying, no, I'm writing a story that's gonna bring glory to myself and demonstrate to everyone my power over everything. I would argue and I would suggest to you that it is quite possible that the story that God is writing with your circumstances is vastly different than what you're experiencing at this moment in time. So I'd ask us as we pray before we come to this table that we would ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind those things that we would rather escape, those things that we would rather avoid, those things that we would rather push to the side, and we would ask that God would show us more clearly what he is doing. In the same way he did to Moses, that, that the Holy Spirit would deliver us the message to stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will bring us today. Because God has already brought about his full deliverance in Jesus, and he is bringing about further deliverance in what he is doing among us. So let's pray together. God, we are confronted 
by many things that frighten us, by many things that are outside of our control, by things that, 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 that oppress us, that, that push us down, that, that, that make us afraid to follow you, to do what you have called us to do, and yet you are not afraid of those things. And in fact, you demonstrate over and over again that you are pushing us towards those things to demonstrate your power and your glory and your goodness and your faithfulness. So help us in this moment to see our lives not as an experiencing, as, as an uncontrolled experience that's happening to us, but rather as a story that you are writing. Show us where we need to have more faith. Show us where we need to push on through. Show us where we need to, to sit in the presence of our enemies because you have set the table for us there. And help us to be restored in that place because of what you have given us. Help us not to run. Help us not to fight. But help us to be still and know that you are God. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus.